I'm Michael Malley, and this is The Mindful Storyteller, where the subject always is stories. Storytelling, story reading, story listening, mindfulness, and the creation of the story space. Welcome, once again, to The Mindful Storyteller. I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And today on The Mindful Storyteller podcast, we're going to talk about uh, 398.2, the section of the library in your Dewey Decimal System, the section devoted to fairy and folk tales and lore, and the ongoing value of those stories. I will read a short quote for us. And then I'll have a reading. It's also a blog post that you could uh, follow along online if you wish. And then we'll have a little discussion. And then Ollie will have um, a few words and a question or two at the end. As always, enjoy the sound of the mindfulness bell as we enter into the realm of lore, fairy and folklore. And maybe a little train lore as well as the train comes whistling by. Here's the train, and here's the bell. time since somebody told me a story. That's a quote from an elderly woman in Northeast Ohio. Storytellers like myself will often tell you that our favorite section of the library is 398.2. In the Dewey Decimal System, 398.2 represents the folk and fairy tale area of the library. If you like the Harry Potter series or the Lord of the Rings trilogy, if you're a fan of fantasy or sci-fi books, please know that your favorite authors have steeped themselves in the works of 398.2. We may think of fairy and folk tales as the domains of children, but that is only recent thinking. While the term Grimm did not, as is sometimes reported, come to us from the surname of the Grimm brothers who collected tales, the association is understandable. Many of Grimm's fairy tales are indeed known for their grimness. While the lore of folk and fairy has always fascinated and enchanted youth, it was never intended to be especially for children. Folk tales are simply the tales that folk told and that some folks are still telling. In her lovely collection of essays on fantasy, fairy, and folklore entitled Touch Magic, Jane Yolen writes, quote, The best of the old stories spoke to the listener, 
because they spoke not just to the ears, but to the heart as well." Unquote. The old folk and fairy lore were certainly entertaining, but they were always more than entertaining. They might be instructive, encouraging the community to reflect on its shared values. They might be illuminating, inspiring the heart to open, to courage or vastness, to sorrow or compassion, to wonder or joy. I write were entertaining, and here I must correct myself. We so easily slip into past tense as we speak of the value of the folk story, as we think about the fireside storyteller. It is 2019 as I write this entry, and two weeks ago, I had the pleasure and honor of sharing a couple of old folk tales with a group of 25 or 30 willing listeners. There was one young child in the audience, a couple of middle schoolers, some high school students, and lots of adults of various ages. The tales held them. They traveled to distant lands, encountered a magical bird, and heard lore of how a dead sheep's shoulder bone could draw forth the fair folk. They entered the stories, just as I did, just as the tellers and the listeners did in the 1800s, and in the 1300s, and for time immemorial. Years ago, an 85-year-old woman listened to a teller tell some old folk tales. She came up to the storyteller after he had finished sharing the stories. She took his two hands in her two hands. Her eyes welling with tears, she stared into his two eyes as she whispered in a voice like prayer. It's been a long time since somebody told me a story. We're hearing some planes, trains, and fireworks tonight. It's uh, near, <laughs> near, getting nearer to the 4th of July, so might hear some more uh, sounds <laughs> as we're talking. So I just want to talk a little bit about that uh, two weeks ago, the party we had mm -hmm. um, that uh, you, 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 were, you told stories at. It was a beautiful party, so it was the first party we've done in the summer like this. We called it uh, solstice storytelling um, singing and swimming party right right <laughs> and a nice group of friends came to enjoy that and to, to join in that and we had a big circle outside and then a big circle inside so early in the evening we're outside and yeah, started a little fire going a little fire going teenagers working on the fire and um, people sitting on lawn chairs in this big circle and so you started us out telling this tale and people were so captivated I actually went around and took some pictures because it was so wonderful uh, you know a June night and we're outside and people that probably had not heard a folk tale in years hmm. um, at least the adults at least uh, I know the child that was there hears them a bit <laughs> the middle schoolers but um, it was just so beautiful. And then later that night, we even had actually more teenagers come 
We went inside because the mosquitoes were getting a little bad at that point. And everybody was just so captivated. We filled up our, our living area and extra room uh, with people and so captivated. Um, and I thought it was so neat for these teenagers. There was a group of teenagers that we didn't know that well. And for them, I just felt such a blessing that th they got to have this experience too. Mm. Like of us all, adults, kids, teenagers, all together listening to a folktale. It just, it seemed like something from a long time ago. Right. And it was not. I mean, we've done these parties in, at Christmas to so some of our friends that came of kind of know know the know what we're doing um and so but uh it's a little different doing it in the summer yeah but yeah and and you know i i just so appreciate um the potency of a folk tale you know, of course, we, you know, we go to the few familiar ones, you know, the three little pigs and, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears and that sort of thing. But, you know, and, and again, yeah, you are hearing the fireworks in the background, appropriate for the season. Um, but um, there's so many stories out there. Mm -hmm. There's so many tales and there are rich, rich tales. And there are ones that, my gosh, there was one young girl in, in the room and even one of the stories was kind of pushing the limits for her, but there are stories that I won't tell, even if middle schoolers are in the audience. Just they're folk tales, but I, I just don't consider them appropriate. And 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 that that again, it just it's funny how we think of all these stories as being simply for children now, or mm -hmm. people tend to think that way. Right. And um, you know, we've been at the, the, the Storytelling Festival in Tennessee, the National Storytelling Festival, other storytelling festivals, being there as a listener. And a lot of times people are sharing original stories or family stories, but, um, but occasionally um, there are those tellers who tell the old tales mm -hmm. and bring them to life in new ways, um, in old ways. You know, I remember... Um, Listening to Ray Hicks, he um, he was um, an Appalachian man. He's passed on now, and he'd be up there telling Jack tales, and he had this beautiful voice. He had to really concentrate because he had this very. Um, um, I, I think I think his his accent was was determined to be like a national treasure because it was it was so traditional and, and, and went so far back and everybody would just be and it's mostly almost all adults mm -hmm. and everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat mm -hmm. just listening to these old stories and um, there's there's power in that mm -hmm. um, I, I, I've probably have mentioned here before um, you know I'll go through old files and I might find some stuff on um, website design from the 1990s or I might find some information on um, you know um, marketing you know from the early 2000s or something like that 
it's garbage. Mm -hmm. You know, the way with social media and everything, the way you marketed it in 2001, that has nothing to do with the way people do it now. Website design, it's completely different. Then I'll go through the files and I'll find copies of some of the favorite old folk tales that I found over the years. Their value is eternal. Mm -hmm. It does not diminish over time. There is no planned obsolescence for the traditional tale, mm -hmm. for the folk and fairy lore. It is always at the ready. And it's so cool to see. I mean, you know, we have a range of friends and, you know, there were people there with advanced degrees and people there with a little education and all the rest in a full range of ages, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s on up, teenagers, middle schoolers, and everybody. It's one of the most beautiful things about storytelling. Mm -hmm. Everybody can plug in. Mm -hmm. I've seen it with kids who are, you know, gothic and you know all punked out i've seen it with with those who look you know this way or that and we can join together in story mm. it's a lovely thing yeah well, you know these folk and fairy tales are you know have gotten kind of revital or revamped i guess um recently um well i don't know in the last 10 years, there are a ton of like news stories that our daughter, Edie, so she's 17 now, but when she was like 11, 12, 13, she just immersed herself in all these books that were old fairy tales that they had expanded on. Mm. And, and I think there's just a, a ton of that going on. There's kind of the like fantasy um, lore kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, but was, they would take, you know, a Cinderella story or, or some other more. Uh, obscure story and then really add to it or uh, and there were some TV shows she was watching that were doing that there's this whole Rick Rorden is that his name who does mm -hmm. all these yes. um, tales myth tales yeah, maybe that, Greek myths I think maybe Greek myths yeah that he's like put into I haven't read any of those but our kids have right read right. some of those but um, and I really like, with the homeschooling, I've really liked that we've gone and really immersed ourselves in story with the kids. Oh, and, absolutely. And I know our 12-year-old, when he was about 10, and we started letting him read by himself, well, he, he's always picked some, but he, would, he was picking in the folk and fairy tale. And like you said, he was getting a kick out of some of them were like, like, some of them actually were too much for me. <laughs> and then he was yeah. like, oh, I'm, but I'm reading, I'm reading folk and fairy tales, Mom. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> really, right. Uh, right. Um, that was kind of uh, well, funny. Well, and, 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 you know, as I said in the thing, you know, J.K. Rowling, um, you know, if, if, if we think of um, uh, the author of The Lord of the Rings. Um, Tolkien. Tolkien. You know, these folks were steeped in that lore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a big fan of L. Frank Baum, B-A-U-M, who wrote, um, in the early 1900s, wrote the first book, The Wizard of Oz, and I don't know, 14 or 15 other books about the Land of Oz. Those are all available. They've been reissued with the original illustrations. And again, 
you know, the guy knew his folk tales. He knew his lore. You know, he he drew from so much of that, and um, it's it's um, you know we see it with we, we, we see it with the you know the superheroes are so popular today. Well, mm-hmm. you know, there's elements there. Star Wars, all of these mm-hmm. different programs. Um, there's so many TV shows, movies that are drawing from that lore. Um, but we can also just go back to the original stories themselves. Right. Well, I think it's wonderful for for all of us to have a basic knowledge of that because then you can see the connections mm-hmm. what people are doing because right. if you don't have that you just miss them yeah um i think that's really yeah. uh, a real real wonder if, if the kids love or i love that when we see something in a right a, a program that we we know where the origins came from yeah and and i think we've talked about this perhaps before like these folklorists Back in the late 1800s, mid 1800s, early 1900s, um, you know. Of course, I mentioned the Brothers Grimm. I, 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 I oftentimes will mention some of the Irish collectors, uh, people like the Irish American Jeremiah Curtin, or you know, I tell Slovak stories. I think of Pavel Dubchinsky, who who is one of the main collectors, or Bojana Nemsova, the Czech woman who collected tales in the in the Slovak and Czech regions. These folks. They knew there were these treasures. And they also knew that a lot of this was on the verge of being lost. Um, that, that there were storytellers who knew so many tales. And um, with, you know, this is pre, pre-television, uh, but with the advent of things like radio, mm. people were starting to gather less mm. frequently to just hear the stories. Mm. And, and so, what a... Um, what a lovely thing to be able to, like we did a couple of weeks ago, to be able to gather with friends and say, here's an old tale. I, I shared one from Ireland, one from Japan that particular evening. But here's a couple of old stories. And we can do this. This is, you know, this is something we can do. And, and we can read, you know, we can read as well. Some people may not want to you know, be storytellers, but you know, read it with feeling, or try to retell it, and or, or just even read them for yourselves, and just enjoy the old stories. Yeah. Right. And, and at these parties, we've we've we you know you you told this time, and actually one of our friends told mm-hmm. uh, one, uh, but we invite people to come, adults and kids to come and share, right. which has been really wonderful. The the Christmas party that we've done over the years. Um, has been amazing that the people have come and shared a tale like that. So it's not um, sometimes professional storytellers are coming in. It's sometimes just right. people that want to share something and uh, creating that space and opening that up for that to happen has been so magical and special. And 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 you know again sometimes we're 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 so often invited to simply be spectators in life to mm. just watch the sport instead of play it listen to the music instead of play it mm-hmm. um, watch the movie or TV show instead of become the story mm-hmm. bring the stories to life and so you know these are options that 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 um, can just be so rich and enriching I'm so grateful for all those folklorists who you know, so many of them a hundred years ago and 150 years ago who were collecting this story, some were still doing that. And and for the storytellers who shared their tales and mm-hmm. continue to share their tales. And, uh, and to know that 
in various forms, this will continue. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we did a couple of weeks ago, there was no microphone, mm -hmm. there was no need for electricity, mm -mm. there was no screen, there wasn't even present a book. There was just story and our imaginations. And it was all connected to a long line of storytellers and story listeners. Now, I happen to know the name John Malone of the fellow who had told the Irish tale that I told. I happen to know the Irish-American uh, folk, Irish folklorist who collected that story, Jeremiah Curtin. But I don't know who John Malone heard, heard the story from. Mm -hmm. And the Japanese tale, I found that in the collection from the early 1900s. I don't know how many generations that story continued before it got to that book. Mm -hmm. How many variants there are of it. And there's often magic in those stories. There's often heart-opening moments in those stories. And I think they are so often Invitations, you know. I wrote here, you know, inspiring the heart to open to courage or vastness, sorrow, compassion, wonder, joy. When you, when you open your mind or your imagination to the space for magic in these tales. You're opening to vastness. You're opening to enchantment. You're opening to possibility. Mm. And I think that is something that we will always, as human beings, always need. Well, but you're also connecting to ancestors who are no longer here. Mm. You're, you're connecting to the human experience from hundreds of years back. Mm. Absolutely. I think we're at the bell and the train again. Before you read this, one last word. Those tracks were originally laid, laid long before we were born. Mm -hmm. And the trains still travel upon them. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of track laid. Mm -hmm. 
in that 398.2 section mm. of the library. <laughs> When is the last time you visited the 398.2 section of your local library? There are lore and tales there from the peoples of the world. Find one old tale that does more than entertain you. Allow it to seep into your being. Consider reading it with feeling to a friend or loved one or even work at retelling it in your own voice. If you'd like to tell it to a child, that's great, but also ask yourself, is there some adult I know who would be willing to really listen to this tale? If there is, why not read it or tell it to them? I'm Michael Malley, and you've been listening to the Mindful Storyteller.